Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. I'm so glad you could join us here on a different night because I didn't have electricity for a number of days. So this is, uh, I think, one of the few times we've done a Thursday show, but, you know, it feels just like a Monday to me. Um, I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing uh, intro, as always. Please check him out on the uh, Internet. He is a native storyteller, and his story and the stories he tells are profound and they preserve history and cosmology in a very unique way, a way that I think maybe we'd be better off with because books, especially the dusty ones that are dry historically, are not as much fun as listening to someone weave a story in front of a campfire. Not that we're going to use campfires, but the dining room table works just as well. Please do check him out. I have tonight with me Wally Wagner, who has written a, a wonderful book called Within Grasp. It's his second book. We spoke with him about his first book, and um, I'm very excited about this one for a reason that will become obvious in a little while. Let me tell you a bit about it. Ancient aliens believer and biblical intellectual Wallace Wagner shares his continuing journey down his path, a path he realized was set in front of him once he left the confines of established Western Christianity. After learning he was being led down the path, he shares each of his newly discovered realities in a gentle and informative way. We'll learn about his beliefs in the definition of God, reincarnation, the soul and spirit, death, ancient visitors, time, frequency, the Bible as it is currently written, the brain and heart, prayer and meditation, and holy crap, a whole bunch more. He has in his book interesting interviews with ancient aliens contributor, author, and pastor, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter, who's been on this show a number of times and is an absolutely fabulous person, former pastor, author, and ancient aliens contributor, Dr. Reverend Barry Downing. He was the first pastor to formally declare UFOs in the Bible, a spiritual empath, Barbara DeLong, who is also an author, documentarian, and artist. And yes, that's me. I get to be in the book, too. Another great reason to read it. 
a Project Star, a Stargate remote viewer, Dr. Paul H. Smith, major U.S. Army retired, who also shares some of his Mormon beliefs, and a layperson that he didn't know who sets the stage on typical current Christian beliefs. While he uses the analogy of a pond and lily pads to establish his points, meaning to offend, to offend no one, his views on the Bible and God are quite telling and informative. He's a former Southern conservative Christian who's held virtually all the positions in the church. He's ordained, has been baptized in the Jordan, and is now self-taught with interest in early church history, Bible history, NDEs, that's near-death experiences, and, of course, UFOs and the Bible. So, open your mind, eyes and ears. For those who have eyes, let them see. For those who have ears, let them hear. And for those whose minds are open, let them understand. Immerse yourself in things seen and unseen, unseen with, within the grasp. You may just realize we've been previously led down, our, down, with our, led down the path with our blinders on. So welcome to the show, Wally. So glad you could join me tonight. Thank you, Barbara. I'm very glad uh, to share some time with you. And I've never had such an in-depth introduction as you provide. Well, I, I, it doesn't even it doesn't even explain how how multitasked you are and how how great the variety of of the things that you've experienced on your in your life and. I think it's it's important for people to understand that quote unquote ordinary people like you have extraordinary experiences and it changes their lives forever. Um and I do believe and I don't even know if we talked about this but you speak you spoke you have spoken about <laughs> I'll get the right to, uh the right tense yet. Um that that your life really changed um, with a UFO sighting, and so did mine. Um, wow! I don't know if you knew you knew that, that one landed on. That has to happen to people. Oh yeah, one landed on my campus when I was in college, in '65, '65, '66. So, so tell us about your experience and how it shifted your consciousness. Well, my experience happened back in twenty. 20- 16. I was a mailman at the time. <clears throat> I had just made a delivery here in Bedford County. I'm, I'm in between Roanoke and Lynchburg. And um, something or somebody connected with me, let me put it that way, and told me to stop and immediately look up. And that's exactly uh, what I did. I was out in the ladies' front yard and uh, I stopped and looked up, and over my head was what we now know as a white Tic Tac variety of UFO. Um, it had no windows, no nacelles, no wings, no sound. It appeared as a gleaming white oblong object that should not have been there. Now, I got to see it for about three seconds, and then it either cloaked, took off so fast I couldn't see it, or perhaps went into another dimension. And um, 
I decided that it, it really cloaked. It's perhaps still there. I just couldn't see it. You know, that, that really changed me uh, over the years. And these last six years have distilled a, a word. It really enlightened me. Uh, it's, it's changed a lot of my core beliefs and a lot of my foundational beliefs. Uh, you know, I was a Southern Christian uh, at, at the time, teaching Sunday school, and you know, pretty much believed everything I was taught and everything that was in the Bible. And uh, now, let's just say that I have a much more open mind than I did before, and I see things differently now than I did before. And I guess we can get I, into into that. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, did you ever see Close Encounters of a Third Kind? About four times. Okay, <laughs> me too, me too. But in the very, very, in the very, very end of the movie, um, when the the hero is, they're pre- prepping him to go onto the UFO, and people are and people are saying, but he's not trained, he's not this, he's not that, and one of the people says, but he was invited, and. That's what I think happens with people that see UFOs and aren't terrified. Um, they're invited to expand intelligence and, and understanding, and I, I think in a way, actually seeing one, and, and, and certainly you don't have to see one to be a believer and, and, and all of that, but I do think that in some ways for those of us that have seen them, it's almost like it's a calling it's an invitation. It's saying, okay, wake up to to another dimension of thought, wisdom, and understanding. And I can go along with that wholeheartedly. It really, it shifts you tremendously. And, and again, that, that kind of a, a shift or, or awakening can happen with or without a UFO. But... Um, it, it just it suddenly wakes you up to, you know, is there more? So, so after you saw that, did you begin investigating them? Did you begin shifting your change of research? What happened to you? Well, I no longer accepted being taught, and I started teaching myself. And in doing so, you know, all kinds of doors have been opened. Um, First of all, you know, it was Reverend Michael Carter who, who told me I'm on a path. Uh-huh. And, you know, I really realized that probably six months after he said that, that I really am on a path. And as I'm going down this path, I'm leaving virtually, I don't want to say everything, but a lot of what I have been taught in the past behind me that I won't even fool with again because for me right now, it's nothing but poppycock. <laughs> it, it's incorrect <laughs> information, incomplete information, or no information at all because they don't want to mention it because it doesn't fit the agenda. I have really learned, Barbara, that, 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 that you know what's being taught in, in theology schools today, and I have not been to theology schools, so I want to make that clear, but I've certainly been around a lot of preachers, uh, you know, a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers uh, from virtually all faiths, 
And for the most part, they are still teaching what the early church put together, you know, 1,600 years ago, 1,700 years ago. And it really hasn't changed. And there's very little room uh, to sway on either side of what's being taught. You're either considered, you know, to be a wacko <laughs> or or you're so far out there that, you know, you're not even accepted uh, uh, into the group. Um, I, I don't want to use the, 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 the term closed-minded. I guess I just did, but... In a yeah. way, I considered that I had blinders on. A lot of people like to be taught. They like to be led around. They, 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 that's their reality. They don't want to do research uh, for themselves. They would rather be taught. And, and, and that's fine, but, but you're going to have to accept what you're being taught, and that becomes your reality. Yeah. And it may not be correct. And I have found out, Barbara, that it's not correct. There's a lot of stuff that, that, that you know, that's in the Bible today and is being taught today that was not the same as it was in the early church. And it's certainly not what I consider truth uh, uh, that I have uncovered now since I've been on this path. So, I mean, I don't even know where, where to start. <laughs> Well, I, I agree with you. I think that um, the I, I I do believe what I think happened was that that there was there were have been wonderful teachings by master teachers who were so spiritually aware it was magical and that they were here to help us to take the next step in evolution. And what exactly. happened exactly and and what happened, in my opinion, is that people were so in awe instead of rolling their sleeves up and digging even deeper, they just took it at face value, created a religion, and were locked into that religion and that that you know i I think it's happened with the teachings of of the Buddha and than Jesus. I mean, so many of these wonderfully spiritually enlightened beings that were on the planet to help share their wisdom, um, I really think they'd be horrified to see what has been done with their wisdom. Um, and, oh, and I think you are that, so correct. Yeah, but at some point, I think there was, at some point early on, I do believe there was that there was an attempt to get information down so that other people could benefit from it and and the the decades and the eons and the centuries that have passed you know it's all locked into what those people started with and and i do believe that these master teachers gave us the beginning and we are supposed to take it and go further with it instead of just you know saying oh this is all there is so this is what we worship so uh i think today there are people like you and like michael carter and 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 you know me on a on a different way, but but similar that that are that are taking those wisdoms and expanding them into an understanding, not just of our physical reality, but of our spiritual reality as well. Mm. That 
I mean, that, that's very well said. I want to go back to what you mentioned about Buddha and, and a lot of these teachers. Uh-huh. You know, it's really, and the religions are, are culture-dependent and country-dependent. Uh, every country pretty much had its own culture and own gods around the world. And these gods had miraculous powers in order to become gods. A lot of them uh-huh. flew. They all came from the sky, or most of them came from the sky. And and the reason we have what we have here is the Greek, of course, the, the Jewish religions morphed into, you know, through England, and it came over uh, uh, and became our, you know, basis for our religion in this country. But in doing so, we basically did away with all the Indians and Aborigines that were already here. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the the Apache, for example, you know, uh, they, they thought creation came from a little man with a beard who flew in a craft. One side was yellow and the other side was white. And that craft they actually called a disc. That was part of their their you know belief structure and uh-huh. and a lot of a lot of the different indian tribes have have very similar not exact but similar uh, uh renditions and they they use different names and whatnot but you know we 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 in this country think that the judeo christian religion is is total truth because of Christ, and then everything else around the world is just a religion. I mean, that's what was taught to me. Uh, uh, that's what I absorbed, and now I know that that's not true. All these other religions had had spiritual people that came to teach us, like Buddha. Uh, the, the list goes on where, wherever you're at. And we're still here. They didn't come to destroy us. They came to teach us to help us to help us evolve and and like you said it, it, it's a process of, of growing but unfortunately I don't see that happening if if, if you're confined with the, the religious dogma that, that Christianity has I don't see anybody growing and I, I if you'll allow me I, I want to read something I put in within grasp I really sure. worked on this. It's it's the first it's the first one I, I have under the section quotes worth noting. It's actually on page one ninety. And I'm painting with a wide brush. But I say priests, vicars, rabbis, pastors, rectors, preachers, ministers, and all Bible teachers should be commended for endeavoring to improve society. Unfortunately, they are teaching from an ancient and deep-rooted agenda which is still being taught in seminaries. They are also teaching from purchased material which supports the same agenda. This agenda originated with the male canonists and in the early organized church, an agenda in which many truths have been purposely extinguished, an agenda which promulgates power to the collective church and not the individual. 
You see, for me now, I realize I'm a little God. I never realized that before. And if you would say that in, in, in a Sunday school or in a Christian setting, you're considered new age and taboo. So <laughs> yeah. you can see that's this one area where everything's turned around for me. And, and, and my belief structure that I'm a little God for me is even you know, mentioned in the Bible, uh, that we'll do greater works than Jesus did. And, uh-huh. and the problem is we don't have the real good teachers now. Who's our teacher now? I mean, you've got to do the study yourself and back up and, and see what these teachers were teaching. Well, it, it, but isn't that part of, uh, I think one of the things after after college and two master's degrees, I, after a while, realized I hadn't learned anything. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, pay raise every time I got another 30 hours of, of you know, extra credit in a college but I hadn't learned anything and it it's everything that I know today I learned myself I taught myself Bingo. I researched you know and I I really believe that that were there a Christ or a master teacher on the planet here today they would turn it in him it them they would turn them into a religion all over again. And and the important thing is that that seems to be our habit. Um, so-and-so has more power. That that's Therefore, we worship them. We pay attention to what they say instead of questioning ourselves. So I, I think that we're at a place in evolution where it behooves us to stretch and to grow and to understand and to apply to ourselves and our own journeys. And, and everybody's journey is different. I, I can write down chapter and verse and step by step as to where, where and how I got to where I am today. And if someone else followed it just to the letter, they would not be where I am today. It, you know, it's sure my journey. I'm sure of that. We're so all that, so that, on our own path. Exactly. And, and our spirits are on different levels of awareness. And our spirits are on the planet at this point in time to learn different lessons. And we are, we are drawing to ourselves those situations that will evolve us into a, a greater depth of understanding of life as we know it. But, but my lesson isn't your lesson or Mark's lesson or anybody else's lesson. So I think we're at a point in time where it's all on an individual basis. And most people want a group. They don't want to do it alone. At least that's what I've experienced. I mean, it's it's sort of like you and I could get together and and have wonderful, you know, discussions with congregates and stuff like that, but they'd be hearing our truth, not their truth. So, you know, it's... it's Well, there's about 9 million people on the planet now, and, and what you say is so true. No two of them are on the same level of evolution, and they're all uh-huh. on their own paths. And that doesn't mean you can't get together, sing songs, and, 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 and you know, feel a, a wonderful energy with the group. But, but, it, but to be told, a, you know, to, to be given something as truth and, and to follow it blindly, oh, it's so scary. I mean, I, I love the singing in church. I love listening to 
a pastor give his opinion on something. I don't always agree with it, but it's nice to hear another opinion. And, you know, when I go to church with my son... You're probably like you sit there and critique them. I do. Um, Actually, when when I go to church with my son and and daughter-in-law, afterwards my son will say, well, what do you have to say? And, and, you know, and and his, (laughs) his minister will come up and look at me and say, what did I say wrong? And... You know, and I'll tell him. And and quite often, I, I know once he was talking about the Ten Commandments, and I said, there have to be 613 commandments. Why do you only talk about ten? And my son looked at me like I was crazy, and the minister said, well, she's right, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, talk about how much you can sell your daughter for. You know, that was one of the commandments. Tell me, you know, why can't I wear linen and cotton at the same time? I'd love to know the answer to that one, um, but you know. So, so it's. I think it's. I think spiritual awareness is something wonderful to talk about with people. But well, it was, it was Buddha I, himself that said it is better to conquer yourself than to win a thousand battles. And that oh, is yeah. so true. I, and that's I, I want I our listeners to know that we have a very a very long delay between uh, us talking. I'm, I'm sensing it's about three or four seconds, so I don't it mean is. to over-talk you. No, that's okay. Oh, I'm used to that. It's not a big deal. Um, but but I think that that's really important for people to understand. Buddha had wonderful things to say. Um, Zoroaster, uh, Jesus, I mean, so many of them had such wonderful things you can apply to your life. They weren't rules they weren't laws they were philosophies and a philosophy is applied to everyone differently according to their level of awareness so you know i think it's, it's I, important I, I buy that. to, that's truth to me me too for now i it may change by the end of the show but you know <laughs> right now <laughs> it's <laughs> Well, that's, well that's, I think that's that just something shows else. maturity that you, that you're willing to be uh, changeable. Oh yeah, when I think of where I was thirty, forty years ago, and where I am today, um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't reached the mountaintop by any shape or form, but but my journey has been fascinating, and and there have been times that there have been some real golden moments but um my gosh if we don't continue to grow there's no point to being down here and i'm not advocating people killing themselves i'm just saying there's always something new to pick up to learn to understand to enhance yourself and and your reality and uh i think people who just go to church one day a week are missing out on another six days of growing uh, well, I, I made mention of that in my first book, Don't Be a Sunday mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. Unless, of course, that's the only time you get a good nap. And if that's the case, <laughs> then you use it for that. <laughs> but it, it, well, it's an exciting, you know, your book I loved. I love the uh, lily pad analogy. And, you know, it, it it's interesting because I can, in my life, I can see times where literally I jump to another level, uh, another lily pad, if you want. 
and uh, it's 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 fascinating. I I think in my life, I've every ten years or so, I take one of these leaps, and it's not exactly ten years, but you know, seven to ten years. In that way, I change my life dramatically, and I'm I I focus in new directions. So it's mm-hmm. it's very exciting. I think people have to realize that that your faith grows with you. It isn't, you know, it, it isn't the same as it was when you were um, in school. I mean, every every decade there's a new level of understanding to the faith that you carry forward, in in my opinion. I have to keep saying in my opinion. Well, I, I, w- I, would, concur with, I would concur with that. It's just, it's so exciting. And, and I think, you know, how you've, looked at the Bible and how you have looked at especially the Old Testament. I mean, I love the Old Testament. There's just such cool stuff in there. Um, and, you know... There is, I, there, I, there's you, a lot of cool stuff for sure, but but it's just not the same for me as it used to be. Oh, yeah, that's true. And in your book, you, you kind of banish your belief of the Old Testament God and... and you know, explain explain how you came to that um, conclusion and the fact that you know obviously mm. it's the Old Testament God. It's not it's not the the over God. Let's call it the over God, the the source of all creation. The big God. The yeah, the big God. Creation. Big gene. Yeah. Well, there's a big God that I believe is referenced to in the New Testament that is not referenced to in the Old Testament. The New Testament says God is light, God is love, and God is spirit. Well, hardly any of that applies to the God in the Old Testament. Definitely he was a God. Definitely he had powers. Definitely he flew around in a craft. And and But this, this God in the Old Testament was <laughs> omni-nothing. And we're taught that God is omni everything. Uh-huh. So, so one of the biggest issues that I've had to face is, who is God? I mean, yeah. you might have a hundred people in the congregation, and I'm wondering if they're all praying to the same God when you pray to God, because I am not praying to the Jewish God, because He was a local Canaanite God, much the same uh-huh. as. You might consider uh, Zoroaster or Vishnu or Quasicodal or, or around the world, wherever country you're in, they have their own gods. He was just a local god to me. That's what I have learned in doing my uh-huh. own studies. And, uh, you know, that god in the Old Testament walks. That god in the Old Testament murders. He wants to murder. But God yeah. in the Old Testament takes his, perhaps one of his best followers in Job and, and, and on a limb or on a bet causes Job to lose his ten children. And then what happens? He replaces the ten children with ten other children. Yeah. I mean, and, and then doubles his material things as if material things are supposed to be bad, but he gets doubled, you know, his cattle and all that. Well, what happened to the first ten children? I mean, that just doesn't fit with me. I mean, 
it's just it's it's crazy is what it is what it is. And I, I've done a lot of study, a lot of research myself. And the study and research you do, it's not in it's not from a Christian bookstore because it's not in there. It doesn't fit the agenda. It's from outside sources, uh, other books, other other websites, other online material. Um, it, it, it's out there, but you've got to, you've got to go searching for it. Now, one of the one of the things I've found that resonates with me, and again, this is just me that I have found on this path, is you know, gods are plural. Sons of gods are plural. There were multiple gods all through the Levant. Uh-huh. Um, e- even uh, uh, Joshua made a temple to El. El was the chief uh-huh. Canaanite god. He didn't make it to Yahweh. He made it to El and called it Beth El, meaning house of God. Uh-huh. And and. Uh, the more the more that this opened up for me, I could see that this Yahweh uh, God flew wherever he went to. He had a consort wherever he went, and that consort could have been named Asherah, or Queen of Heaven. Uh-huh. Asherah was removed from all the writings of the Bible. You know, it was a male... Uh, canonist male world back then. Females were basically, well, I hate to say this now, but it doesn't apply now, but mere chattel. I mean, that, uh-huh. that's mentioned all throughout the Old Testament. It was a man's world, and we wanted the one man, one God scenario, and that's what the church was formed on. And that's what we have in this country today, but that's not biblical. Biblical is there were gods everywhere. And in fact, if you read uh, the book of Joshua, you'll see that these gods had defined boundaries. I mean, you might cross a river and have another god. You may go across a mountain and have another god. So these gods are everywhere, and they all had powers. Now, studying Yahweh found out that pretty much he was probably... Uh, uh, Someone that the Kenites uh, uh, venerated, involved with the smelting of copper. That, that that's probably it. He was also uh, mentioned by some scholars to be the the war god or god of war. I mean that just fits right in with being carried around in a, bo- a box. I mean what kind of god has to be carried around in a box to win wars? What kind of god uh, in in uh, um, Exodus? lands his craft, gets out, and starts having to look for Moses. Now, Moses is the one who, yeah. you know, the, the, the deliverer that brings the, the Hebrews out of uh, Egypt. But he, he doesn't know where he is, so he's having to get out and walk on the ground looking for him. And why was he trying to find him? He was going to murder him face to face. And well, no, he, he, you can envision yeah, go ahead. But, but not, not only that, but what kind of God demands of a nation, worship me, or I'll wipe you off the face of the earth? I mean, that's not how you get oh, people was, to 
That he scared he scared them into compliance. Thunders, uh-huh. lightnings, bolts, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, uh, all of that. And then he punished them every time <laughs> they made a mistake. I mean, it was it, it, it was it's crazy. And this God is supposed to be forgiving and loving and full of grace and on and on and on. And none of it applies to the God in the Old Testament. None of it. So that, that this is just stuff that's coming to me now. And, and I see such a 180-degree difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament that the two books shouldn't even be bound together on one book. The, the, well, the I, Jewish nation or Israel should have their own book. The Greeks and whoever follows that should have their own New Testament. I think that that's true, and I think what what's fascinating is that the New Testament was written before the Old Testament, so that they had to cre- mm-hmm. create a, a story to support the New Testament, or the Jewish faith felt that they had to put their history in in some sort of order as well to sort of balance out what was coming out in the New Testament. Um, I think that... that yeah, Jerome, Jerome had a real balancing act on his hands, Barbara, trying to appease the Jews, trying to appease the Greeks, trying to appease the canonists and the new church, all trying to get it together. And, and it, it was just... I can. It's no wonder he lived in a cave and was a hermit. <laughs> well, how do you define? How can you put in writing the the essence of faith? It just doesn't transfer into words. But I think what what well, gets me is where did all these guys come from? And and you go from the Sumerian L and 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 those guys and their story to the the Romans and the Greeks and. You know, and and the Norse, and on and on and on, and, and as as civilization grows, our gods become different, but we still have to have gods, and gods that's plural, and then and then we're told that you know you can only talk to God through His representative in the church, and frankly, I prefer a direct line. So, you know, and it's it's it seems to me that that it's important for the human spirit to know there is a source, um, mm. the divine, but it's not important for for there to be um, a one. There is a one-on-one because we're part of it. We have a part of the divine inside of us, so there is that connection to cosmic wisdom and understanding. But it's not. Those earlier in the Old Testament, they obviously had free will, but so do we, and we use it differently. So there's such a difference between the Old Testament and and, and today. And I'm not going to say the New Testament because my philosophy is read the red stuff and let the rest of it go. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus did not come here to teach Christianity. He came here to teach truths and spiritual yes. development. That's what he came to teach. I mean, I'm not even sure he used the word Christianity. That's something we made up. You you mentioned that that things change. Dr. Joseph Lumpkin, you know, he would tell you that religions evolve and morph, changing with the social pressures, absorbing Uh various beliefs, 
customs and practices from converts and those whom the practitioners live. So it was with Judaism. And I, I, that that has all morphed, in, in, as you say, to blend the best it could with, with, with the Greek philosophy, to be bound in, in the one book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, um, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating because as a species, as we have evolved and developed, things we have not understood we weave uh, a story around them so they're easier to understand. Way in the beginning, we didn't understand fire. It was a gift from the gods because it came from the sky, so we worshipped it. And and I think we are still in that same place today. We worship things we don't understand. And 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 you know you can't tell me that people aren't addictive and don't worship money because they do. Uh, credit cards and things like that. It's 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 something we we worship in many ways, and and so I, I think we're still doing the same thing. But but as far as the faith and the element of the divine, that seems to be taking a back seat, and I think it's a shame because personally, I think that's where our strength comes from. That's where our power comes from. That's what the magic inside of us, where our intuition and our creativity come from. And But it's not somebody that's going to tell us what to do. It's going to help us create situations to learn. That's all. Preach so, on, um, sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, I but, totally so agree. Where, so where did all these gods, quote-unquote, come from? I mean... Were they real people? Were they were they interdimensional travelers? Were they, you know, who were the Sumerians and the Romans and the Greeks? Who were those gods? Are they just well, fables? Uh, they that... all came from the sky, which means heaven. So, okay. so you know, some people would say they came from the, uh, the seven sisters or, or the Palladians or, um, you know, I've, I've, I've read so many books it could be, uh, Cygnus, it could be Sirius, it could be, you know, all these other places, uh, uh, Orion, that, that's, that some of these people came from. And, and, you know, there were different crafts involved and, and different type beings involved, but they were all considered gods and they could all fly. So I, I, I think that's the best way I could answer your, answer your question. Well, and they weren't all loving either, because when you stop and think about it, especially with the Vimanas in India, they had wars like crazy. I mean, they were blowing stuff <laughs> up right, left, up, and down. Um, and and you well, know, we have actual wars in heaven. That's for sure. Well, and not not like that, but there are places where, um, especially uh, in the Holy Land, there there are places where the the sand has been melted into glass because of they think possibly nuclear explosions. So, so they were yes, cultures. Yeah, you know, they they were cultures that that um, probably get got off on on being worshipped and took advantage of. But would would that also include the the nephilim? I mean, were those considered 
from another planet as well and and you know how do they fit into the the gods of Greek and Roman and Samaria how do the the nephilim fit into the whole story that's a, that's a very good question i've uh, i mentioned that in my first book the the the, the the people who write all these different versions of the Bible do not know what to make of Genesis six. It, it's a, uh-huh. it, it, it's you know it, it's just a plethora of, of some people think the the Nephilim were dark angels, and uh-huh. other people think they were sons of God that they came from the sky. Other people think well they were actually the giants. I just read that the other day, but there, we really don't know, but what we do know is that sons of God came down. There again, it's plural. Sons, uh-huh. plural, came down and impregnated uh, the pretty women here. <laughs> so so that that's about what we know. And then perhaps giants were created as a result of that. And perhaps, we don't know this for sure, but perhaps the flood came to either, uh, uh, you know, do away with the giants or do away with the sons of God who misbehaved. I mean, uh, I can't give you a concrete answer. Uh, uh, there's there's or, so much information out there that's conflicting. Or an asteroid hit the planet and the flood came from an asteroid and had nothing to do with the gods. Well, that that could be one thing, but uh, you know, the the, the uh, we could have had a pole shift, we could have had a severe earthquake and, and, and continents move, we could have had a, a, a severe tidal or tsunami, uh, we could have had a continent sink. Uh, you know, just think if you had a massive volcanic eruption and all the magma came from underneath and uh-huh. was put out miles away uh, and then the continent sank because the magma was part of holding up the continent. And if the continent sinks, instantly you would have a tidal wave around the whole earth. I, I one day was, was thinking about all of, especially Genesis, and, and thinking, you know what, what if, what if millennia ago, there was a contest like there was with, with Shelley and, and all of those guys. You know, one weekend they got together, got drunk, and said, let's have a contest and see who can write the, the best horror story. What if way in the past a whole bunch of guys got together and they were bored and they thought, let's create a religion and just for the hell of it see what we can do with it. And they all got together and they wrote all this stuff. And then they, they sealed it away so that, whoever their superior was, didn't find it. And and they created religion just just because they were, you know, fooling around. What if what if somebody who was really important sat down and and created what they thought that the religion of today should be and sealed it away and thousands and thousands of years ago that record is found and they take it as the reality of the religion of the time. Mm. It well, could happen. It could happen. I, I, you know, it's just you know, their humanity is is so 
um, open to being influenced, wanting to know there's a power above them. And, and there is, you know, there is a source of all creation. There is a big G. There is a big God, a, a consciousness that is not a person, but is a source. And I think that's where most people and has no, and has no gender. Let, let, let's let's mention that. There's no gender. Oh yeah. With the big G. Yeah, and that that's why I think you know that's where most people you know don't want don't want to accept that because they want it to be a, a, a nice old man with a long white beard that loves everybody. But it's not that. That's not the purpose of quote unquote God. I mean, it's you are so sword. you are so correct. And God does not you know, need a craft to fly around in. No, <laughs> and that's you know land that's, on that's where and be covered by clouds. That's that's where a lot of the Bible to me, the Old Testament, is you know just doesn't work. The angels, you know, came down a ladder. They came down this, or they 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 they, they beamed down, or Whatever, I mean, a spiritual essence like that is ever-present, everywhere. It doesn't need a body. And, and I think that's, that's, people want it to have a physicality so they can relate to it. I think that's what it is. Well, um, it could very sure. well be correct. It could very well be correct. It's, it's hard to, you know conceptualize and and you you kind of want to there's a a rabbi that's written a book and he talks about god sitting on a bench talking to him and you know i can relate to that uh but but the reality is um you can do it anywhere i mean every now and then i sit down and i talk to god he's not sitting next to me but I, i i know that I'm putting my thoughts out there, I'm verbalizing them so I'm better able to understand them. The purpose of the conversation is me to understand where I'm coming from, not where a source is coming from. And, you know, nobody wants to to realize that they're totally responsible for what's going on in their life. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's somebody else's fault. Yeah, I mean, I never would have signed on for this. This has to be somebody else that made this up, and I, I'm, you know, I obviously signed on the dotted line because I'm here, but you know, I, I didn't agree to this. But, but you know, it's I use, a journey. I use but, the coin Greek. I'm sorry. I use the coin Greek Bible now for the New Testament, which uh-huh. is a 20-year work, uh, which basically has the original Greek. You would be surprised to know how many phrases are in this Bible that say. You have the choice, choice uh-huh. by choice, by choice. And the second word they use a lot is continuously, continuously, by choice and continuously. And both of those have been taken out <clears throat> for what's in the New Testament today in a, in a typical Bible. Forget choice and forget anything happening continuously. I mean, it's once saved, always saved. And, and you know things of that nature, but uh-huh. it's a different flavor altogether. From from, and I highly recommend it to our listeners. Uh, it's called the Pure Word, and uh, it's it, it, it's also very very eye opening. 
Well, I think that, that today everybody is, is searching for something. They, I, I keep hearing, you know, the phrase, I have a calling. And, and you know, I, I think it's appropriate. I think we all have a calling, but the calling um, is, is to grow, is to, is to continue to grow. No matter how old you are, there's always something to learn. Some of it's not so much fun. Always, um, always. And you're still going to make mistakes along the way. Well, you know something? If you don't make mistakes, you're not growing. I mean, you're if not you learning. were perfect. Yeah, I mean, if you were perfect, you wouldn't be here. I don't know where you'd be, but you wouldn't be here because this is a a school. This is where this is where the essence of your spirit takes physical form and is able to experience emotions and and all sorts of um you know all sorts of weird situations and and there's a physicality to it um if if you're just in spirit you're in an etheric form and why you can conceptualize you can't experience so we have to be able to have a physical form in order to um experience pain and sorrow and grief and love and joy and all of those emotions that I don't believe etherically, um, I, I, they're probably available but in a different way. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, Dr. Barry know. Downing would say that this, this earth that, that, that we're on is actually just a terrible testing place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, well, I see exactly what you're saying, and I totally agree. You you need to have that emotional input for well, yeah, development and evolution of the spirit. And, and there are moments when I, you know, grip my teeth and say, "Did I need to repeat this lesson again? Are you sure? Check your book because I'm pretty sure I had it figured out before." And you know, not happy going through it again. So. Uh, you know, it, it's we draw to ourselves situations that will allow us to grow, and that that will allow us to achieve things we would like. I mean, you can pray to be gifted with something, but in essence, you're not gifted with that object. You are given the opportunity to grow towards it and achieve it yourself. I think most people don't understand well, let's, that. Let's talk. Let's talk about growing for it. For, for just a second, and sure. uh, uh, let me let me also back up. If I mentioned Joshua build an altar, I really meant Jacob. I get the two interchanged, and I shouldn't. It's really Jacob who made the altar to uh-huh. El. But when we talk about growing, there again, from what I am doing now in respect to growing, is something completely different than the church views as growing. Uh-huh. Uh, that. This is my my uh, take, but the church views growing as submission and submission and leaning on Christ uh, uh, to do things for you. And and now for me, my growing is understanding Christ as a teacher, understanding my spirit now, understanding that I'm a small God, understanding what my place is, and understanding that I need to develop 
myself. I need to be the one to develop, not leaning on Christ. But I have to have a take in this. I have to have a part. That's part of of growing. And and that's something that, that the church just leaves out completely now. Well, and I think the other thing the church leaves out, I mean, I, I truly believe that Jesus had human form and he was on the planet and he was a human being as well as the Son of God. You know, I, I he was both. But while he was physically on the earth plane, I, they don't, to me, give him... Um, I, I don't see him as... as he he had to be human like the rest of us. He had to to, to stub his toe and curse from time to time. Um, he had to take joy and laugh. He had to have a sense of humor. I hope. Um, you know. I, well, yeah, he was teaching disciples, trying to, but he was having a terrible time. He he appeared to be frustrated with them more than anything else, and he was trying to share his wisdom. And 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 yet he was, you know, bucking up against people who had a very primitive sense of what life was. So, mm. you know, um, it it must have been frustrating. He must have, um, you know, kicked a bench now and then. He must have, uh, you know, we only know about three and a half years of his life. We don't know the first 30 for sure. He did travel in Tibet, I know for sure, because... Uh, Nicholas Rorick, uh, when he was um, touring the Himalayas, was at a monastery there, and they had a, it was sort of like a guest book, I guess, but they literally had um, reference to the fact that Jesus had been there. Oh, I'm totally convinced that he was in India as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I mean, he was not, he didn't walk on clouds. He scuffed along in the dirt like the rest of us. He was human, and but he had he had total awareness of spirit in, inside of him, which is something we strive for. But he was in human form. He experienced human stuff, and you don't see it in the Bible. You just don't. And I think it makes it harder for some people to understand that, that you know he was hungry. He ate the wrong food and threw up like lots of us do. I mean, he did all the human things. He did all the human things. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. That meant, as far as I'm concerned, he was married. But, you know, they don't say that in the Bible. No, they don't, but I would agree with you. So what I would like, you know, I mean, there's no way to change it or anything, but there there has to be a there have been a number of authors that have tried they've tried to interview him you know but but they you know they come up with something that doesn't feel human it doesn't feel you know um if i could walk on water if i could you know heal the the sick and raise the dead they'd probably build a church to me instead of just listening to me saying you can do it this is how you work on yourself. This is something that, I mean, the human energy system is capable of so much more than we use it for. And I think we've been dumbed down horrifically because of that. We are um, so electromagnetic. True, so true, so true. You know, we're, we're electromagnetic beings. 
we only use 6 to 10% of our brain. The rest of the brain is there, and it's not empty space. There's stuff going on there, and we have to find out a way to utilize that energy to, I don't know, not to bend spoons, but certainly energetically, we we might be able to do healing. We might be able to use, you know, sound to um, to lift big blocks of stone. I, I think that as a human culture or species, we did create a lot of the, you know, the, the huge structures that are on the earth plane, but we used techniques that, that we've forgotten about. We're capable of doing so well, much more than we actually do. What you're saying is that, that we were smarter. What you're saying is we were smarter in the past than we are now. I think so. We we were more in tune with ourselves in the past than we are and now. Nature. And I, I, I think, think that's very true. And you know, trying to get people wouldn't to wouldn't you like wouldn't you like to know who taught Paul for those three years when he was in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> I mean, Paul was a persecutor of Christians, a mere tent maker, and then he goes to Saudi Arabia because he had the same paradigm shift that, that you and I had after seeing a craft in the sky on the Damascus Road. Yeah. But look, look, those three years, he was able to look at Elimus and blind him, and he was able to bring Eutychus back from the dead. He had powers he did not have before just in three years of teaching. So we we don't have the teachers anymore. It's sure not the church. We just don't have the teachers <laughs> for us to 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 gain this 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 ancient uh history, this ancient knowledge that, that once we did have. But but we've lost it. We've completely lost it. Well, I think it's still there. It's just, you know, we haven't found it inside. It's there. I think that we, we are Well, yeah, we, we, we have the ability. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, I think basically the church, more than anything else, has taught us that we don't have that power and that, therefore, we should look to the church in order to do these things for us. And that's where that's where I have difficulty because... Um, well, Anytime you have a middleman, you, you know, if if there's a middleman, you, you have to do it, the one that gets rich. through the church. Yeah. And the middleman, yep, that's exactly what happened. And, and uh, the church was, was full of greed, and what comes with greed is problems. And that that's, you know, that's mentioned in my first book as well, and that's really what created the Protestant Reformation. Well, look at look at the um, look at the contest that Moses had with Pharaoh's um, magi uh, magicians. I mean, they they could do many of the same things that Jesus did, and and I think that you know they had the power to do it, but but you know they didn't know what to do with it. I mean, certainly, you know, having frogs and locusts, you know, swarm is not something that, you know, could be a benefit to anybody. It's it's a good trick. But um, if they had the power to do that, they would have had the power to do everything else he did had they had the right training. Exactly. Because they were on their way. Exactly. They were on their way. So, So it's sort of like, okay, so there have been people through time that have been able to do this stuff. And... 
Um, I'm not sure. There's nowhere to get the training because if there were a school, that would mean that everybody learns it the same way, and I don't think that's the case. That's just me. And we would have people walking on water. We would have people moving mountains. We would have people turning water into wine, and the list goes on and on. And, and, uh-huh. and Jesus in, in John 14 says not only will we do what he did, but we'll do what oh, greater more. than what he did. Well, either he's yeah, a liar I, or that's referring no. to a future life, and we're not supposed to have a future life because you just have this one life and you better get it right. You've got to be born <laughs> again. You've got to be saved. You've got to confess. You've got to be baptized, you know. I honestly believe the serpent was correct. Uh, you will not die. And that's uh-huh. exactly what it says. And then the church interprets or makes a theory or a conjecture that, well, that must mean spiritual death because that fits, you know, the mantra or the dogma of their of, of their philosophy. So the fact is we don't die. You and I know that. And, and We've been alive before. The Bible Uh even says uh, uh, God knew uh, Jeremiah before, and they take that into saying, well, God knew all of us before. And and it's because we came from the realm where God is. And, you know, my understanding is now that that's where we go back to when we pass from this this life. Well, you know, I think think the, the term born again for me, means that after this life, I will be born again into another life. Well, that's, so, what, it, that's what it means for me. I think we've got it all interpreted wrong. I mean, yeah. I made a point of this in, in Within Grasp. You look at this, Mr. the fellow to the right of, of the cross uh, at Galgartha. Uh, uh, he, he didn't proclaim Jesus as his Lord and Savior and asked to be born again and asked Jesus into his heart and make a public confession and not never baptized as far as we know. One uh-huh. simple sentence and Jesus says, you'll be in paradise with me today. And he's, you know, did nothing to improve society his whole life. At least that's what we, you know, gather. But then you have Nicodemus who's really wanting to know this Jesus and sneaking out to get training. And then Jesus tells him he has to be born again. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and so we take that saying we all have to be born again. And what that means is to be born spiritually. But I'm like you, totally. I think you take that literally. I think we all need to be born again unless we well, have become I, I... masters. And there are times that you and I have. Well, you know, there are there are. For me, there are lifetimes that that you have decided to struggle, and then there are lifetimes where the option is given you to you know you always have the opportunity, you always have the free will and and the choice, but sometimes we need to really. Um, experienced difficult and uncomfortable things and so it 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 seems to me that the potential for having that kind of awareness is always there but but you know situations don't always present themselves so we can reach into it and utilize it and i i think 
the more awareness is with you, the greater the opportunity is to touch into that aspect, but but not to be controlled by someone else or something else, but to utilize it yourself to make yourself better so that you enhance those around you and your reality um, because of your presence, not because necessarily of your teaching, but of, of how you live your life and have been an example as to um, the magic and, and the beauty and the love of the infinite. And mm. so um, I, I just... I, I, to me, the born again makes great sense. Is you know, well, you're, you're going to come back and do it again, and maybe you'll do even better next time. <laughs> and you know, there's no guarantee you're even going to come back here, or even be in a human body. You could even be on another planet in some other type uh-huh. of a body. Uh, you know, it still may have the arms and the legs and, and the brain and whatnot, but. There's no guarantee that you'll be back here because, you know, the this big God is over everything. And since well, we are little gods on the path of learning, we, you know, it might behoove us to to do something a little different. Well, and not only you, that, you but I think... You mentioned some people need to experience some of these things. Yeah. I guess you know a fellow by the name of Gary Zukoff who wrote the book The Seed of the Soul back in the 80s. It's a wonderful yeah. book. It touches on reincarnation and, and all kinds of things. But he makes a very astute observation, and it never clicked with me until recently. He says, you know, don't feel sorry for somebody if you see them crawling in the gutter. That may be their calling. That may be something they came here because they needed to experience it. Uh-huh. Don't interfere. And, and that really resonates with me now. And like Jesus says, you're always going to have the poor. Always. Yeah. And and it it, it makes me think that that based on some other books I have read that, that really connect with me. One one is uh, Journey of Souls by Newton, Doctor Newton. But we may have to say so in this life. And and as you know, with with passing through to. Uh, with your own experience, uh, when when you do pass into the spiritual realm, that, that you you always have this guide, and and you you will discuss, of course, what's happened here, but then but then you will reformulate what you need to do to continue on the road to improvement and betterment and enlightenment, and and. So you may just have a say-so. There'll certainly be an open discourse on what your next life involves. And Uh I I totally believe that. I totally believe that. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I early on had been told what I would be doing in my 70s and and beyond, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> not going to happen. Well, that's that's so, like um, me. If you would have told me, I would have ended up writing when when, when I didn't even like like to write. Uh, I, I would have told you that that you know you were crazy. But things change. But I I think one thing that that I talk with people about, and and I and I always get blank stares, and I keep hoping that sooner or later somebody will realize what I'm talking about. 
if, let's say, you reincarnate on a different planet, a different solar system, a different dimension, most probably you're not going to have a religion involving Jesus Christ. Probably there will be a an aspect of understanding or worship of some sort. There will be a spiritual, possibly, philosophy. But Jesus is not going to be history there. And people say, oh, no, no, Correct. he, you know, but... But he's not. Jesus is not the only son of God. We're all right. sons and daughters of God. And and it just and, and I get blank stares, and it's like you know, of course he's in every galaxy. Of course, I, I no, God is in every galaxy, absolutely. But our traditions, our Greek, Roman, Norse. Christian Christianity, uh, you know, um, Native Americans, uh, none of that is going to be on another planet in another dimension. It's going to be a whole new ball game, but the element of faith will undoubtedly be there in some form. Correct. So that is so true. But we stop faith, and say goodbye. Faith has a foundation that transcends. The, the dimensions and, and faith, faith seems to be a foundational. How, how do I want to say this? A foundational building block of the, of the actual spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, when you when you go back um, way back in our history, written history, to some of the um, Italian, Italian no, um, Irish. Folklore going way back, and I'm talking way, way, way back. They did not have a religion, but they had a belief, and the Milky Way was the pathway of souls. And so they had a philosophy and understanding, but not something they worshipped. It was an understanding that there is a soul or spirit that moves on. You know, they had that belief, but it, it was not a religion. It was a faith that they lived. And so, and, and that's really the basic, the way we should be, to live the faith and the belief system and not worship it, but become it. Mm. So true. Yeah, it would be a good I mean, thing I think, if that I happened. I only think of the Egyptian Book of the Dead and, and, and the Egyptians and, and their passing, you know, through to the next world. Uh, kind of goes hand uh-huh. in hand with that. Yeah, there's a book I, I can't now. Mark will be able to tell me who wrote it, but Path of Souls um, is the book, and I I don't want to give the wrong author to it because you know I I have a, a I want to say God is it Laird Scranton um, maybe maybe Mark is listening um, oh it's Greg Little thank you Mark see he is listening. Um, it's Pathway of Souls, Path of Souls, and Gary, uh, Greg Little wrote it. And it does talk about, you know, these early cultures that had the faith that they they lived as opposed to a religion that they worshipped. And I think we need to get back to the faith in living it rather than worshipping something that well, is, you, you know, You're just, I think... You're attacking it from another angle, but it's really just saying that 
we all need to become more spiritual and a lot less religious. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to quote me chapter and verse, that's cool. I'll talk to you about the story that's there, but but how does that apply to life today? How does, you know, um, every now and then we're given the opportunity to do something that is just so cool and wonderful and kind and generous, and, and we don't always see it or recognize it. And I'm as guilty as the next person. Um, but a week or so ago I was in a, a, the drugstore and there was a grandmother and her grandson who was the grandson had to be 18 or 20. And they were having trouble with getting a credit card recognized and they were struggling. And I finally said to the cashier, I'll pay whatever it is. You know, just I'll, I'll pay it. And she looked at me and she, she said, Really? And I said, and, and it was it was like twenty eight dollars. And I said, yeah, I'll pay it. And then you know, and Merry Christmas. And they looked at me like I had five heads. And I said, you know, <laughs> Merry Christmas. And and um, they couldn't believe it that somebody that they didn't know would suddenly just offer to pay for them. And all they had was were soft drinks for a party they were they were giving. And the, and the kid tried to give me some cash. And I said, don't be silly. Merry Christmas. And, you know, we get that opportunity a lot. And, and I'm as guilty as the next person, but I looked at, at I know, the struggles the they were going through. I know, but like that you do in life that means so much. Oh, yeah. Their mouths were hanging open like, you know, what, you know what's wrong with her? Um, and, and, you know, it, it, was, it was just, you know, it, it was like, oh, they shouldn't struggle. They shouldn't. This is terrible. And you know, I I just said I'll pay for it. It's it's not that big a deal here. And but but you do that every now and then, and you get such a warm feeling. And and they had a warm feeling too. So you know, now that was that was cool. And you know, didn't cost me anything really. But but it. it it was the kind of gesture that makes you feel good. And, and if you can do those feel-good gestures enough, life changes dramatically for you. Now, I'm I not going to... that you just stored hint. up a, a, a treasure in heaven when you do that. <laughs> well, I, I'm also not Which going to karma. always pay for Actually, you. that's karma <laughs> to me. Because I do, I yeah. do believe in karma. Well, I, I do too, and it wasn't done with that intent, but it probably is good karma. But, but you know, and I'm certainly not going to always pay for the groceries of the person in front of me or, or stuff like that. But every now and then, if you see a situation like that, that is so easy for you to help and to do it instead of being oblivious to those people around you, just, you know, helping and sharing, it makes you feel so good. It really does. I mean, it puts a smile on your face for a stupid reason. So, but you know, I think we have that opportunity, but we don't often um, recognize it at the time and and do something with it. And and you know, well, for, no for, names for were... the rest of my life now. I'm sorry. I think no, for the ahead. rest of my life now that that I'm going to focus on two things, and that is feeding the poor and clothing the hungry. And I'll do that in whatever capacity, you know, I, I can do that in. I've already uh-huh. cleaned out all of all of my clothes out of three closets and donated them away. And, uh, you know, I donate funds to, to certain uh, nonprofits that, that feed the hungry. 
and and mm-hmm. uh, that that's that that's part of my calling now that that, that I feel that and I, that's what Jesus did. I mean that that's that's you know biblical if you want to go that route, but it sure. does make you feel good. I could have sold those clothes for many many hundreds of dollars, uh, you know, even on eBay or something, but. But uh-huh. just giving them away to somebody that, that that needed them makes you feel good. What what do you think, Jesus as a man? What do you knowing that you know he had he had a calling, he certainly had visions from time to time, and and prior to his his ministry. Um, he he didn't you know he didn't walk on water and heal the sick and you know but what do you think his intent was I mean here he had this this ta- this talent this gift and all we know are the words that people have put in his mouth basically what do you think when he realized that there was a mission a calling he thought. I mean, there was a there was a human part of him as well as a spiritual. Well, the human part, I think, struggled with his spiritual part. You get that, you know, when he when he cries, uh, uh-huh. you know, when he sweats blood, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, um, things of that nature, and then at one point, depending on which which book you read, he cries out, why have you forsaken me? But I think that's something we all experience is, is the battle back and forth between the physical and the spirit. But he came, I, I believe, realizing that the spirit wins out over the physical uh, uh-huh. you know, in, in the long term and that we're all spiritual beings and that we all do indeed live on, regardless of what you know we're taught. Uh, we live on, and we will be continuing on our journey, uh, uh, hopefully not making the same mistakes over and over, but uh, we will continue on our journey. Uh, I, I liken it to us being in kindergarten now, and when you die, you're not into graduate school immediately. Uh-huh. I mean, let's put it that way. We've got a lot, a lot to learn uh, still, oh, geez, yeah. a lot to absorb. And, and uh, uh, even our thoughts, I mean, actions are one thing. What we allow into our brains is another thing. And, and uh, you know, everything we say and everything we do and everything we think is actually recorded and known in heaven. So there's there's no secrets down here. <laughs> None. No. None. That's biblical, too. And, and well, that, that, so everything we've that, done and everything we think is going to be presented to us from this lifetime. So, so knowing all that, certainly I, I would hope would put – you know, a lighted match under some people, you know, to get their act <laughs> together. That, that you know, ought to, ought to be exploring or searching for more truth instead of being led around with blinders on. But so, you know, those people you know, that, that follow 
follow, for want of a better word, religiously, um, you know, the, the, the Bible is is actually literally the Word of God. And I, I know that I, I spoke with someone that said, um, you know, that the Bible was inspired writing, written by God, oh. and he's not going to write anymore. And, oh. in, you know, I said at the time, but I've been inspired and creative and written, and I definitely think that, that the stuff that I, quote-unquote, channeled or was inspired to write came from a very spiritual source. And you're telling me that 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 the divine will not influence this, this reality with inspiration if we are open to it. And I think that's the big deal. Um, you can you can write spiritual stuff and it's it's well written and stuff like that. But if you're inspired and you allow it to flow from you, then it takes on a whole new level of teaching not only you but anybody who reads it. So mm-hmm. I I cannot believe that that the divine has decided to not write any more than just the Bible. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, inspiration and creativity is open to everyone if they're if they allow it to flow through them. Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. The divine did not okay. write the Bible. <laughs> You're not getting royalties. <laughs> The reason, the way the, the way that it is flavored now is really due to, to Sir Francis Bacon, who, who, uh-huh. who rewrote a lot of the stuff that, that's in there, as well as some of the other uh, uh, religious people of the time, such as Tyndale and whatnot. But it, it, it came through man. And once it comes through man, then gets deciphered, and then gets uh-huh. translated, and then gets what goes through the line of transmission and then gets interpreted, it's just like saying something in, in you know, your proverbial grade school. You start off with, with one chair, and by the time it gets, it doesn't even have to get to the end. It could be the third or fourth person. It's something completely yeah. different. It's seldom makes Absolutely. it to the end of the classroom. So, so I mean, and. and these people couldn't even write back then. You had to have a scribe. So right there is is, uh-huh. is you know one layer of transmission, and that scribe is 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 he writing everything this person meant to say? Is he writing it, you know, allegorically? Is he writing it, you know, exactly the way he said it? And then from there it goes. To, you have pieces of parchment. You have other people looking at it. It gets changed around. It did get changed around multiple times. And, well, you know, and depending and, on and where you live, it's being changed today. If you live in Denmark, your Bible's being changed today. The word Israel's been taken out completely. Well, not only that, the, but it's The reasoning all... they use that is because the Israel today is nothing like the Israel back then. Well, no. And, and the reality, too, is with interpretations, it depends upon the level of awareness of the person and their vocabulary, how they put it down, and it's it's like hieroglyphics too. I I have learned that that their different symbols mean different things, 
And depending on the level of awareness of the person making the interpretation, the interpretation can be, you know, just totally different from someone else who's interpreting it. Day and night. Day and night. And, so, and, and you the go big from, God, the big G God doesn't doesn't write what we the only thing that the little G God wrote were the Ten Commandments twice, but that was really just by the local God uh, uh, of of you know Israel. And that that's all that God wrote. Well, and there were six hundred and fifteen laws too. I mean, if well, if. if yeah, but Big Ten are there, you know, definitely. That's probably all they figured they could fit on the tablets. It's kind of like, you well, know, you could the, only take the, so many steps on, on Sabbath day. If you took one step too many, you've broken the law. Exactly. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff like that. Oh, and the Puritans where you couldn't do any work on, on the Sabbath, and if you picked beans in the garden for dinner... um you were you were fined. You were censured because that was work. Now, come on. What were you supposed to do? I mean, obviously pray. Well, but Jesus healed on Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Well, so so you know, I think that that I think I'm hopeful that in these times that are so turbulent and so changing that people are getting more and more in touch with their inner their inner journey and and their faith than than you know the price of gas the price of food and everything else i think we're being challenged to grow and develop in in a very physical way and and yet maybe it's it's a good thing for us um maybe it's a good thing that that um computers were were down and people could really spend time with their thoughts though it got the silence got so loud it was incredible when when there was no internet and no phone and things like that um but but it's it's there there is wonderful material inside of us and you know to build on i i think that that's another thing i mean build on um some of the foundations that we've got and while some of the foundations aren't as solid as they could be you certainly can 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 um, get greater strength by putting a better foundation under you to grow from, and and it's not it's not it doesn't mean that you are going against a religion, but you're enhancing your faith, and there's a difference. I agree. I make I make mention of the fact that I've learned to meditate, something I did not learn previously. And I've learned that meditation in many ways is the opposite direction of praying. When 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 you pray, you're going from within out. And I've learned that meditation is taking what's there and going in and developing what's in. It's like uh, going the opposite way. And, yeah. and meditation now is something I do just as much as praying. And this meditation... Well. In many well, praying, ways, it's gotten me to know myself. Isn't isn't it? You know, praying for me is talking, and meditation is listening. That's one way to look at it, for sure. Uh, uh, I've never heard it quite mentioned that way, but it certainly makes sense. 
You be yeah, real quiet of... when you meditate, and you and you become in touch with your senses, in touch with who you are. Whereas uh-huh. you're praying, you're you're using your brain and you're asking someone, whether it's Jesus or Yahweh or the Big G God, to do uh-huh. something for you or, or in His name, and, and, and meditating is is developing, for me, developing, um, let's say, enlightening and, and yeah. evolving in teaching your soul. And as that soul becomes more evolved, then you won't have to rely on uh, uh, Jesus or uh, a God to do something for you. And that, that's where I think we're really falling short. We are all cutting ourselves short if you're just being led around uh, uh, with what you're being taught on Sundays. We are all little gods. And we have, as you say, the powers within us. If they're just not developed. And you can read the Bible from front to back, front to back, multiple times and study it unfortunately I don't think you're going to get the answers out of there because it's been weeded out all the Gnostic stuff is is gone I mean that was the big thorn for the early church and it's gone but but you've got to you've got to realize this uh, uh, for yourself and look at things as I say in both books through a different lens and, and in doing so I mean, I mean, the blinders come off, the weights come off your shoulders. You experience freedom, as I've mentioned before, in spades, and uh-huh. and the whole world just—you look at the world in a different light. You realize that you are part of everything, and everything is a part of you, and everything's connected one way or the other. You realize that we all vibrate at different frequencies, and you know it's it's just. Everything changes, and, and it, it does. In, in doing that, you feel like you you know that you're more in tune to the to the big God. You're more in tune to the spiritual realm than you were before, and that that's what I have come to realize in these last six years is is, is that life now is a spiritual journey for me. It's it's not what house you live in or who your friends are or what job you have or how long or where you went to school, or as you say, how many uh-huh. degrees you have. I can't even remember <laughs> half the stuff I was taught anyway. It's useless, completely useless. Yeah. But all that stuff's Medusa. It just gets in the way of, of your real development. I'm, I'm, prob- I'm well, probably it, rattling, it, but... No, no, I think it's, you know, what you say is, is very, very true. And I think that when you get to a point where you you recognize that um it 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 helps you to grow uh i have friends that have degrees up up the wazoo and and yet they they don't seem to understand the purpose of life it's you know degrees are great i mean if you're in teaching especially you get bumps in salary every time you get a certain number of of uh, extra credits in in one way or another. I mean, you know, they 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 make it almost important for you to 
to um, continue your education, but when you look at, heck, if you look at education today, it's worthless. So that, so, and that's so just you're right my, about that. I mean, I'm I'm an ex school teacher. I taught special ed for 25 years. Um, I think our 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 school system is terrible, and so that so that, but happily, everybody has the ability to teach themselves anything. I mean, you you may not be great at it, but you have the ability to learn it. Um, I I have wanted to have learn to how to play to. the piano. You have to want to. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's the same way with spirituality. Um, you know, you can take classes, you can take workshops, you can do all sorts of stuff. But if you want someone to, you know, do something for you, I mean, getting a certificate does not prove that you've achieved anything. It's just that you've spent money. Um, that's that's why a, a, a bachelor, you know, it, it's mm. bachelor's is um, BS, and then MS is more of the same, and the PhD is piled higher and deeper. I mean, it's just paper. It doesn't. It doesn't say you have the wisdom of the ages at all. And and there are people that just you know teach themselves, that read their books, that that assimilate material and and make it a part of their lives, that become the masters of wisdom as opposed to you know a, a notebook full of credentials that doesn't get you anything. You know, it's so true, and I would I would add on to that. For me, the nail in the coffin is is what we're taught here in the Bible built. Once saved, always saved. Accept Jesus Christ once and all, and, and you're going to be walking on you know streets of gold, and He'll be wiping your tears away, and you have a eternity of life with Him. Well, that pretty much you know, destroys any sense of you developing yourself while you're here. You're already home free because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've professed him, you know, publicly. You've you've asked to be born again and invited him into your heart. You've been baptized. And, 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 you know, that pretty much kills uh, uh, your individual work, your individual... Um, you know what I'm getting at for your, for your spirit and soul development because you think you're already home free. You've done everything you need to do in this lifetime. You, you found Jesus Christ. Yeah, you can cruise from then on free. in well, sure, <laughs> until next sure. life. I mean, I've I've had people well, they, they say to me, "They don't believe that. They don't believe that no. you have this one life only. And that's why you got to get it right right now." Well, I've, I've had got people. Get, you've got to come and know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, you're going to burn up in hell. Well, I've had people say to me, you know, this is my last life. I'm I'm totally evolved. I won't have to come back again, and I'm not coming back again. And there was a time where I would argue with those people, and then it, then I, I realized that that was foolish. And so I, I usually say when someone tells me that this is their last evolution on Earth, I would say, well, you, you know, you're absolutely right. Your personality will not come back but your spirit may have another idea. So, hmm. you know, it's kind of like, you know, okay, so this personality is done. It's it's a winter coat you've outgrown, and next time you will come back with a different winter coat on. But you will come back somewhere, somehow. I did, I did want to get into a little bit more 
of your um of your sighting of of the uh UFO what what do you think the purposes of the UFOs are are they are they watching are they here to serve are they here to enlighten what 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 is at this point in time what do you think they're for well when you say this this point in time you know they actually go back before Christ i think they've oh, yeah. always been here I mean that that's that that's an established fact. Whether uh-huh. or not we see them is another thing. But I think they're here observing. I think they're here to protect us. They're sure not here to destroy us. Well, we, you know, we're still here. I yeah, think, I that think many ago. of them are explorers, and I believe some of them are actually our own crafts. Uh, because I do believe uh, there's a little bit of a conspiracy in me. Here we go, but yeah. I do believe in a secret government. I do believe we've already been off the planet. I believe we have crafts that uh, move along in the sky that are cloaked. That we that we've developed that from, you know, uh, engineering. Uh, backwards engineering or, or reverse engineering, I think is the correct term. That we have, we have this. It just can't be presented to the public because of, well, because of religion, for one thing, and because of what would happen with the almighty dollar for another thing. So I guess I just answered your question. It's a combination. You know, uh-huh. we're explorers, uh, protectors, uh, watchers, watchers. There's another another biblical term, and some some are ours. So it's uh, it's a combination, perhaps of of uh, all of them. So there you have it. Yeah, that does uh, make it, it does they're make out sense. There's the main thing, and, and and you know the church wants to pretend they're not out there, so they just don't talk about it. The government. You know, covers it up, and it's not talked about in really talked about in you know theology schools. So we've got to come to realize it ourselves. And I think the more people that see these crafts, and there again, it may be a good thing we have cell phones with instant cameras and computers because you know it's no longer you know taboo or scary to talk about it. People don't think you're crazy anymore if, if you seen a craft or have had visitations or or know somebody that has uh, lots of people. And I've realized this myself just sitting at a table mentioning something that I saw. You, you get them to open up now that they saw something back in, let's say, 1964 in Tennessee. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I had a fellow just do that to me the other day that, that – it's funny that he said it's funny you bring that up because I haven't told too many people this, but I saw a UFO once back that was huge, that was miles across. And I just saw it for a little bit and then it took off. And it's amazing that, that, that what people have seen. And, and it's, it goes back to antiquity. So, so we oh, know yeah. the crafts are here. And, and, and we can speculate you know, on uh, on the purpose and where they come from. But the uh-huh. only thing we know for sure is they're not here to kill us or destroy us. And if they are, then we're fighting out in space somewhere, like some other people would say, maybe Corey Goode or somebody like that, that we're already in uh-huh. war out in space. 
but but uh, they're not making it here to destroy us. No, that's true. I I think um, I I agree with you that that the the, the term watcher um, appeals to me greatly. Uh, I think that the Rendlesham Forest incident um, had to do with a, a craft would have appeared to come from the future, 8,100 years in the future from us, which, you know, gives me great hope for humanity. It would seem that we didn't totally destroy ourselves. <laughs> but, but or you could make it, the case it, it came from an off-world. That too. An off-world society. Mm-hmm. But you know, this plays in hand with reincarnation. My studies have taught me that time does not exist, especially when you're in these crafts. And I, I mentioned that in Within Grasp, a scenario that if you go out, you know, a third of a parsec into space in one of these crafts, and then you turn around and come back, and you're traveling so fast, nobody would know you when you got back to Earth. Well, that, you know, that's that, happened in cultures around the world, too. These people in these crafts, uh, uh, people have been taken up and come back, and the, and the time's completely different. Well, time look at in the Bible. Einstein has proven that. But, but in the Bible, when uh, was it Enoch taking, taken up, and when he returned, the hundreds of years had passed? I mean, that, that that's, says the same thing. You know, he was off planet. It didn't seem like very long, and when he came back, you know, hundreds of years had passed. I mean, happily, then they lived to be nine hundred years old. So, you know, he still had friends. But that's, that's another um, thing. You wonder how these people lived to be so long or so old, and and you have these these, these ships in Egypt, and there's cases uh, where people have come back, and you know, nobody knows them, but but they just thought they were gone for a very short while. Uh-huh. No, I mean, so, well... So time does not exist. That, that's why we live eternally. That's why we have to try to comprehend infinity. And one, one of Reverend Michael Carter's favorite comments, or most enlightening comments for me, and I put it into my book, he says, the finite will never comprehend infinity. And that is so true. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's sort of like, you know, there is... We live, it's we a, live eternally. Yeah, it's a never-ending story. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I mean, there are cycles of what, as a species, we get involved in, but it is never-ending. There is constantly growth and movement forward and cultures rise and fall and we go back to the Stone Age and then we grow up again. I'm fascinated more with, with a lot of stuff that goes before the last Ice Age. I'm curious as to what were those cultures that, that have been now totally wiped out and yet we're beginning to find um, cities underwater and under Antarctica there, there because there was oh, so yes, much. Oh, yes, Antarctica. So, so that there are definitely uh, on the surface they are seeing uh, what appear to be villages, but underneath, 
you know, underneath the ice. I mean, that was once a tropical area. It was it, it was once near the equator. So when they get to find a landmass, you wonder how fast you wonder how fast it moved. Does the continent move, or did the planet tilt? I think probably a little bit of both. I mean, they've got miles and miles of ice there, and 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 you know those those tunnels that that they have found underneath the ice um, almost to me look like um, magma tunnels. You know that that the um, the volcanoes when they're erupting the the, the magma tubes um, have created. So I just I am so curious as to what the bare ground looks like, and you know some of the maps that go way way back, the Parisi map. Um, I think it's one of them. I mean, it describes Antarctica as with no ice. So and look at the woolly mammoths that are found with warm season flowers in their stomach. It's like they were frozen yes. instantly. Yeah. So I, there, there's there's a lot of things that have happened to this planet that we have absolutely no knowledge of, and that's where my curiosity goes. It's kind of like I, I'd like to well, go back. Your curiosity years. plays out because I've seen. I've seen your video um, uh, about the stones, and it's one of these enigmas that if you don't understand it, we better not talk about it. I was, I was actually floored, floored by it. Oh, you, you, you're I'll taught that you. you know the pyramid was uh, had all these big stones, but but your research and, and, and video uh, that I saw on YouTube was, you know, I, I just. I just watched it intently and learned. And then you wonder well, that, who did that. Yeah, and and, and I have to say, I mean, I did I did write it and narrate it, and and it was basically channeled material. It was you know um, the words just came. It was something that had to be out there. Now um, it's out there, and people will see it and watch it or not, but. Um, Hopefully, it's. You wonder if people... some of that same culture came from Ireland and went over to Iceland and made its way in into Canada and into the New England states. I'm, I'm just kind of it... sort of wondering if it's the same culture. Well, there's there's one stone that had some ogham written on it. The ogham goes back to Ireland, which goes back to the Druids, which goes back to the Tuatha de Danann. And I, and again, a case of gods, um, which is magical. Um, and the Tuatha had the ability to utilize energy to raise stones and to move stones. And, you know, it, it, um, it, it's a fascinating culture. So I think that, you know, if you go pre-flood, pre-ice age, back that far, that 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 the cultures you might discover would be, I mean, better stories than Atlantis and Lemuria for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you you kind of would like to get an idea as to what was because all of our biblical stuff and everything comes within you know the the last the the last flood. That's that's all of our human history there. That's all we got. And it, they did a study and they found that the human DNA is older than the planet. So 
we had to come from somewhere. And uh, we were transplanted here for some reason. But I, I, I'd really like to, you know, that's where that's where my real curiosity is. I mean, all of this stuff is wonderful, but there has to be a way of going backwards in time and seeing what kind of cultures were there, what kind of what kind of belief systems they had, and you know what what was their theory on faith and the origin of of time and space and things like that. So. You know, I don't know if ever it'll be discovered, but somewhere it has to. It's it's got to be there. We keep finding things um, that that come out of nowhere that that give us an insight into other times. And um, I'm just waiting. I'm I'm hopeful it'll happen in my lifetime. But I'll come back and check it out. <laughs> it doesn't happen this lifetime. <laughs> Or when I get on the other side, I'll, I'll read a book and I'll learn it all then. But sooner or later, I'll figure it out and have other places to go and other things to do. Um, saying that, it, I was looking at, you've got a lot of things on your agenda for where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. You want to kind of give out some of this information so people can find you again uh, to listen to more of your wisdom? Well, I, I, do, have, I do have a website. Uh, uh-huh. Called with withingrasp.net, and you can t- contact me from there. You can also look up my books on Amazon uh, from there. I'll have got several podcasts uh, lined up through January. Uh, those are listed uh, on the website as well. And I just worked in one for tomorrow with uh, Chris Jordan. Um, That'll be aired probably the following week. But uh-huh. you know, there's there's uh, podcasts with Mark Johnson. There's there's uh, spaced out radio. Hey, be, that's the big one in in Canada from midnight uh-huh. to three a.m. That's that's coming up, and we're, we've got several other things on our on my plate right now. But uh, I'll have them listed uh, on the website. I mean, you. you- You've got some impressive names here. I mean, you know, Kate Hobson is wonderful. Dave Scott is terrific. Um, and you're you're working to kind of get dates with Whitney Stryver. He's a cool cool author and podcaster. And you know, so you've got you've got a lot of people interested in the book. And so it's it's you know you you I mean I mean you've also you know done. Um, Richard Surratt and George Norrie and Richard Hogland and, you know, a lot of other really cool people. So you're certainly getting out there, and, and hopefully, um, as you said, in some place, you know, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to open, um, you're certainly putting it out there, and and your wisdom will touch people at whatever level is appropriate for them to hear, which is cool. So... You know, well, I just want people good... to know that it that that it's my past and things that I'm experiencing on my journey, and it may or may not click for them on their journey, but but I I want to share it because it has been such so such life changing for me, you know, in these last oh. six years. So I'm I'm just happy to have the avenue and, and and people like you, Barbara, that allow me to to share. So so I am appreciative. Thank you. 
Oh, well, you know, it's my pleasure, and, and it was also an honor to be included in your book. I mean, um, that was Well, you are a, a woman of, of many talents, and, and you're, <laughs> you, you are, have a very, very background kind of like I do. You can talk on multiple subjects, and we really didn't get into vibrations or frequencies or NDEs. I guess we can do that perhaps in another, another time. time. But But uh, you, you've... You really gave me a, a really good uh, uh, example of a third-party NDE that, that that you shared, and I'll just, without going into it, the readers can find that with our with the interview that uh, you'll now be oh, yes. to put in the book. Yes. It, it was really, really wonderful, and I have mentioned that several times as as, as an example of just how real the, the <laughs> These experiences are, and oh, they're very are real. physically real, like very real. Yeah. I mean, dog slobber is dog slobber. I mean, you know it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, and I only it, have it, cats, it, so it was an not. experience like that is amazing. It was, and you know, it was. Um, when she asked me to go into the tunnel with her, I said sure, not thinking I could do it. So you know. I have learned not to agree to something just because I think I can't do it anymore because then the universe says, oh, let's shock her. So uh, it was it was a unique experience and, and one that I treasure because she was a special friend. But, um, yeah, it, it's uh, – and, and it was interesting reading your book and then coming to the interviews. And Michael Carter, of course, I know very well. And um, – Barry Downing, I, I don't personally know, but I know of his work. So, um, and then to actually read the interview you did with me, um, and actually when I, after I got done, you know, reading through it, it was like, well, it, that, that isn't as bad as I thought it might have been. So, you know. <laughs> well, it was, I, I really appreciate that you know spending the time with me and allowing me to touch on all those subjects and get it on paper and then make sure I had it right on paper. Uh, that's the big well, thing. <clears throat> and I am so impressed I, by I, the I number of rewrites. I find it as, 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 as interesting as I did, and I, I believe that they will. Well, it was fun, and and I must say that, that uh, I have a great deal of respect for any author because it never occurred to me that I'd have to go over and rewrite and over and check and over and rewrite three or four times. And each time it made it better. I just, you know, it, it you know, you had the whole dang book to do. Um, I just noticed we are totally out of time. Um, I want to thank you so much. And and everybody, the, the, the book is um, within grasp. It's on Amazon. The link to it is on the write-up here for the show and, and obviously on his website. So please check it out. It's a very good read and very enjoyable. And, uh, of course, I think it's fabulous because I'm in it. But, you know, aside from that, <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> so thank you again. And, and we will get you back on to hit those other topics we missed. Well, thank you very much, Barbara. It's, it's always my pleasure. And, uh, Again, I find you quite enlightening and quite quite a lady of the spirit, and I call you my sister. Ah, well, thank you so much. I really, um, it's been an adventure for me as well. And as far as that goes, everybody, we're out of time, but catch us.
us uh, next time. You know, you know the drill. Check out the website, top right-hand corner. It'll tell you exactly when and where we're going to be coming at you again. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Good night now. <laughs>